How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me this week from the sprawling suburbia known as Langford, British Columbia, my co-host, Tim Jensen. Tim, every year we always do an episode live in the studio, but this year is much different. But how are you doing today, sir? Uh, doing good, doing good. Uh, I wasn't expecting to see this much snow on the island. No. Not at all. And of course, for, for some of the listeners who aren't familiar, we're both on Vancouver Island right now. And the last couple of days, it's been kind of iffy. Are we going to get snow? Are we not going to get snow? It snowed a little bit, but it's not sticking. It's too wet. This morning, I woke up looking outside, and yeah, it's snowing. It's snowing pretty good here. Yeah, it's like, it probably won't be more than a couple inches on the ground once it's all set and down, but it was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, I know. It's brutal. Like, I mean, I got to pick up Katrina in a couple of days from the airport and it snows like this. Like, this is going to be ridiculous, though. Well, it's more that uh, looking at like Drive BC or even just looking out my uh, window at Jacklin Avenue here, it, they haven't touched even the main drags at all. That's amazing, eh? That even the main drags of Langford, they still haven't even plowed it yet. Well, I mean, you have to have a snowplow. It is true. It is true, Tim. So, Tim, really excited to get together today, not only because we got, got to recap our Christmas, Pride of Orange, Discussion Point, Top of the Hour, everything minus the games. But the one thing we got to do, first of all, we got to talk about today's cover athlete. And we got a big one today. Today's episode is Season 5, Episode 11, in chronological order, Episode 106, the Wade Redden edition of the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. So just a little background about Wade Redden. He was drafted second overall by the New York Islanders in 1995. He was traded to the Ottawa Senators in January of 1996 in the Brian Berard three-team trade. He went on to spend 11 seasons with Ottawa, recording 101 goals, 309 assists for 410 points in 338 games before signing as a free agent with the New York Rangers in 2008. Okay, so let's talk about Wade Redden, Tim, because you know, I think a younger generation, they don't really understand how good of a player Wade Redden is because they've grown up with Eric Carlson being the best defenseman in franchise history. I think with Wade Redden, the one thing you've really got to remember is that the Wade Redden trade was the first very significant trade in franchise history because that fast-tracked us to the playoffs because not only did we acquire... Way Redden. We we landed Damian Rhodes out of that trade and then later signed Ron Tugnut, which helped us get into the playoffs in 1997. Well, that trade is really interesting. And we did a full episode just kind of analyzing that trade tree. Uh, it's one of the bonus episodes last year, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So what's really funny is just how that trade worked out incredibly in Ottawa's favor and uh, kind of it worked out okay for Toronto and New York got the short end of the stick. And Wade Redden throughout his time in Ottawa until maybe that last 2007, 2008 season, he was always very, very smooth. And his, his shot and first pass were excellent. They were. And he definitely was the quarterback of that power play in Ottawa. And it's funny because, you know, when you think of Reds, I always think of him, obviously in Ottawa center, he played 11 seasons. But for me, I think it's really a shame that, when people talk about Wade Redden, they often talk about his time with the Rangers and just how his career completely nosedived into the ground. But I was always of the main of the belief that if you watched him in that final year of Ottawa, you can really kind of see him going down at that point. And in 2007, or sorry, 0607, he was hurt for a bit, 
But with 708, you can kind of tell, like, yeah. it was tailing off. And the Rangers threw all the money at him to come to New York. It's really similar to look at Scott Gomez. Yeah. Because you think of Gomez, especially in Montreal, where he didn't score a goal for, what, two seasons or whatever it was? It totally... They made a website. Yeah, it masks the point of how good he was with New Jersey. Same with Wade Redden. His time at the Rangers, it completely overshadowed how good he was with Ottawa. Yeah, that 708 season is really funny because the team really struggled once Wade Wren's decline accelerated. It's incredible because like that was a season where Alfredson, Spezza, and even Heatley were all having like incredible seasons, but the defense just couldn't get it together. If like the thing I my stark memories of those seasons were the offense was firing on all cylinders, but the Ottawa Senators would lose games eight, seven. Even talking about that 0708 season, the one thing I remember was I just remember how hot we got right out of the gate. And there was talks that I think the Sens were on pace for 65 or 66 wins or something at one point because we were just running teams over left and right. And then we, I think we hit December or January and it just completely nosedived into the ground. And we barely got into the playoffs that year. Well, yeah, because it was all of a sudden uh, 10 game losing streaks on 10 game losing streaks. Then you had injuries to Spezza and Alfredson and just anything that could go wrong went wrong. And, but at the same time, I think part of the reason why most people remember just that really, really bad year in New York is that Wade Redding got sent to the AHL. And that forever changed the way that. <laughs> The CBA worked. Yeah. Because uh, the minor, because the NHLPA was like, you can't do that. You can't send a guy who's been in the NHL for like 14 years at this point down and pay a minor league salary. And other teams were like, yeah, you, you can't sign this guy to an $8 million contract and just bury it. Although nowadays, do you think that after that, you definitely saw it with Robledo Island, except he wasn't injured? Yeah. Well, I think that was the response to that is, well, if you're not going to let us bury things this way, we're going to do it this way. And I think that's also in response why the 35 plus contract exists, which is an incredible, if that 35 year old plus player gets injured, that is an incredible albatross on your team's neck if you're a clap team, because you get no relief. You know, and one thing I want to talk about with Wade Redden, Tim, and you know, you talk about Red's tenure in Ottawa I don't think I could name one moment of his with the Senators I think of his career as a whole in Ottawa but I can't pinpoint one or two moments where I'm like this is what I think of Wade Redden I wish I could remember exactly what game it was but it was one of the games against Buffalo where Wade Redden skates it skates it in gets into the zone starts the cycle gets back to a it just fires this lethal shot. Alfred tips it past Ryan Miller. I forget what game that is. And that, that really sums up Wade Redden. It's smooth, strong zone entries, and then just launching something. It's no, something no. And Wade Redden at least has done well in retirement. You know, if you watched his interview with Wally Mathot, he looks like he's doing well living in Kelowna. And I try to remember the guy. Was it Braden? The guy that we had for our season preview show? We said his uncle set up the sound system in his house that might have been it i can't remember something like that well tim I was, although 
I know. Although we could really sit here and talk about Wade Redden all day, we got to plug next week's cover athlete poll because next week's episode is going to be season five, episode 12 in chronological order, episode 107. Now, when you think of the number seven, Tim, there's some pretty obvious choices here for the cover athlete. The three big names on the board, Brady to Chuck, Kyle Turris, and Curtis LeCision. And I'm just going to have a quick look at the poll here because honestly, sometimes I look at the poll right before we hit record, but I never got a chance to. So I'm going to have a quick look here just to see. Excuse me. Well, you were saying it was neck and neck just a second ago. Yeah. Like it was like, where did I check it yesterday? Yeah. It's neck and neck. It's 50 50 for Kyle and Brady. And you and I were talking about this before we hit record. Like this is a cover athlete. If you really think about it can go either way. Just because of what Kyle Turris meant to the Sens in the 2010s and what Brady means now. Yeah. That, that's going to be a cover, good cover athlete, though. I don't know who's going to come out on top of that. But we're going to save that for next week because it's the holiday season, Tim. And I didn't get a chance to see you over the Christmas since you've been here. So we got to talk a little bit about Christmas. So I'm going to let you go first. How has your Christmas been going? It's been kind of upside down. But yeah. we're we're muddling through. Uh, so basically, uh, I wasn't able to go up to see my fa- my folks for Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, some COVID symptoms on like on Thursday, and you cannot get it. You can't get a COVID test in BC. That's just not a thing they do right now. No. And then the next the next day, and like the four days after that, not no symptoms at all. So it was probably literally nothing. But uh, we still weren't still like, okay, we still have to treat it as if it was COVID. So we couldn't go up, uh, even though it's like, we're perfectly fine. <laughs> so then uh, we ended up, yeah, so we ended up just getting Chinese food for uh, Christmas at Chelsea's parents' place. <laughs> nice. You know, what's funny, Tim, and that's often a tradition at my place on Christmas Eve is that we always get Chinese food. Like I'd go with my dad and go see family and whatever. And I'd come home and there's like six things of Chinese food sitting on the island. I'm just like, yeah, it's going down. Nice, nice, nice. And uh, yeah, usually uh, we do Boxing Day stuff as well. But uh, obviously we got snow. We got snow and it's yeah, that's the roads just aren't really passable at this point. Yeah. And I know some of our listeners from Ontario are going to be like, Oh, come on. You got like two inches. Yes. The Island doesn't know how to deal with that. <laughs> no, no, we, we really don't. We really have no idea what we're doing out here. And it's funny, even on Twitter, like if you were to type in hashtag BC storm, it's, Ontario and these other provinces are just looking and laughing at us because they're just like, oh my God, there's snow outside. How are we going to do this? On Everybody else is looking at us like, yeah. So You get a shovel, you get a plow, and you go. Yeah. But it's been nice here because it's so light and fluffy that I had to shovel off my car, driveway, everything at least twice today. And it's been fine. I was driving around in it earlier. I had to get some stuff because honestly, I feel that if I'm going to be stuck in the house like a hermit for the next several days, I got to have snacks. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so yeah, I'll see how the rest of the break goes and hopefully I'll be able to go up and see my folks. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because I know like my girl's getting back from Ontario, Ontario, sorry, Alberta on the 29th. And you and I were talking, be like, yeah, like, you know, she really wants to meet you guys. I said, well, maybe we'll try and hook up before you guys take okay. it. Yeah. God, I'm a sloppy drinker, man. I just noticed. <laughs> for those of for those who are wondering, like I'm drinking a, a Phillips Brewery Glitter Bomb. It's like a hazy pale ale. So I took a sip. Next thing you know, I'm drooling on the side of my face. Like I'm a freaking three-year-old. God, this is the worst. Just missed the mouth entirely? No, I got 95, 99% of it. Just, you know, is what it is. So I guess I'll talk a little bit about Christmas because <laughs> honestly, yeah, I mean, with COVID and everything, it's been kind of tough seeing people and whatnot. Obviously, I didn't get a chance to see you so far this Christmas. But I think for myself, it's been a pretty low-key, laid-back Christmas. I'm taking the next couple of weeks off. So it's been good. Obviously, Katrina's in Alberta right now, so I've just been hanging around the house doing nothing, and I've been enjoying it so far. Not because she's gone or anything, just because, you know, I'm having some time off. I get to just lay back and relax and doing some gaming. I'm still playing Far Cry 6, which it's still fun. It's still a fun game. I'm glad I didn't buy it full price because I think it – and you and I wouldn't know this, right? You buy it at full price, your expectations are higher because you're paying hard-earned money, whereas you, you buy it on sale. It's like – okay, whatever. It could be good. It could be bad. I wouldn't even worry about it. I think I've said something like that for a different game that I won at a convention. It was like, you know what? For free, this is pretty fun, but I would not pay for this. Yeah, I know. Same. And even some of the games I purchased in the past, I paid on sale or I got them on PlayStation Plus. And honestly, they're the games I would never buy full price or they're games that I owned on the PS3 and they're free, so I picked them up, right? So mm-hmm. like the Uncharted collection, I picked those up. All kinds of good stuff. But yeah, Far Cry 6 has been fun. I've been playing a lot of Madden 22 as well because I like to be a GM. It's kind of like the NHL games. I just like to be the GM and rule the world. So it's good. I will say one thing, though, because at Christmas time, obviously, I got like my sisters came over and all that good stuff, and I got to see my nephew yesterday. One of the nice things that I got for Christmas is a pair of Blundstones. Here's a pair of Blundstones. I personally would never have gone out to buy a pair myself. My mom got me a pair for Christmas. I don't think I've worn any pair of shoes since. They're great. They're (laughs) very, very comfortable. Because it's funny, because I tried a pair on once, because my mom was telling me about this, and... Again, you'll. It makes a lot of sense if you're a Simpsons fan. Remember that uh, there was an episode where Marge is a cop and Mo goes, "Oh, a garage! Oh, a garage! Uh, what do you call it? A car hole." <laughs> I refer to that with the shoe. <laughs> Trying to get my shoe into the boot, and I'm or my foot in the shoe, and I'm just like, "God, why is my foot not fitting in here?" She goes, "What do you mean? Uh, you know, the the thingy, the the, the shoe hole. My foot's not fitting." <laughs> And she started laughing. I'm like, well, it's not funny, mom. Like, I'm trying to get it in here. Fuck, get on. But other than that, I mean, I got some cool stuff over Christmas. I obviously got the Seahawks hoodie that you're seeing right now. Nice. Got my Blundstones. Got my usual tin of Walker shortbread. You know, chef's Good stuff. <laughs> Low-key, one of the cool things I got for this Christmas, my dad bought me a pair of Ottawa Senator socks. Oh, fancy socks are always fun. 
I know. And honestly, because Katrina and I were supposed to go to Ireland here in July for her birth mom's Irish wedding, whatever the hell it is, I'm looking at the socks and I'm like, I know what I'm going to be wearing. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's been really good. Christmas and the holidays have been so good so far. But another thing we need to talk about, and we talk about every episode, the show known as Pride of Orange, not Agent Orange, like my dumbass seems to think it is. So we got to get a bit of an update here for Pride of Orange, Dan. Where are we in the series? So the series ended last week. Uh, basically, what happened is uh, they played their final tournament game against uh, uh, the team Snow White, and uh, they won. Uh, it was a score of two to one for the for the Dream Monkeys. Uh, both scores scored by Monica, and uh, the lone Snow White goal was scored at eight at two minutes within the first period by Canadian Maya Walker. Uh, I don't know what most of the game was because uh, it was mostly a slideshow uh, of just still images. So you could tell they kind of ran out of money, but you did get to see some nice passing work. Uh, the final goal was a, a net crash play after a bunch of passing. So that, that worked pretty well. Um, the Canadian went for a goddamn headshot in the second period. Really? And this is women's hockey. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, Oh, wow. Uh, the game, it, the, Sorry. So Pride of Orange is uh, trying to sell a mobile game, right? Mm-hmm. They had the gall to just say, if you want to see how the rest of the story goes, play the mobile game. At the end of the show, I'm like, all right, you buggers. I, I, I was expecting something like this, but I was expecting a little more subtlety. Not just straight up player game, player game at the end. <laughs> was it like that bit from Family Guy where Peter became the not a senator. He became like a lobbyist for the tobacco company. And he's just like, what's wrong, Timmy? Smoke. Smoke. Yeah, might as well have been smoke. Are you smoking yet? <laughs> but yeah, the game also looks terrible. Really? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I'm i not going to play it. What, uh, overall. Game is it? Is it just like a hockey game or is it one of those Plinko machines? Like, what is it? From what I can see, it looks like you kind of, it's almost like football manager, but you have to run it. You have to like win your characters through a gacha machine mechanic. So like microtransaction bullshit. Yeah. So it's almost like football, uh, football manager, but with microtransactions, I'm not going to touch it. Like the show was fine. Like. If you don't like hockey, don't bother. So basically what you're saying is that when the Tim Jetsy X Matt Bosty episode of Pride of Orange comes out, this is going to be amazing? Yeah, mate. well, it'll just be like, what the hell did I watch? Or why did I keep watching it? <laughs> because it's like, when they actually do like animate the hockey, it's pretty good. The characters are all right, but also just the production values aren't really there. And then just play the game. Kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. Like, that's my smoke. And that's like the last line in the show, too. It's like, really, guys? Really? Oh, it's brutal. (laughs) It's brutal. That is brutal. Oh, my good Lord. Although the episode of the Third Line Plug Sense cast with Matt Bossy, if you guys do it, it's going to be epic. Yeah, yeah, let's go. 
Yeah. Actually, I just want to quickly talk about the Right Road Experience, my other podcast, because finally got around to doing a new episode last week. I'm going to have an episode coming out this week. My dad and I are going to be reviewing Lateralis by Tool. Been really looking forward to be doing this for a while. And a sneak peek, 2022. There's going to be a new episode in the first week of January. Won't talk about it right now, but we'll talk about it this coming week. I still need to edit up my ep- my Wild Wild Weiss episode. Yeah? How, how long of an episode did that end up being? I want to say it was probably another two-hour interview. We did a real-life podcast game. Yeah. But it just kind of devolved into talking about like talking about cube reinventing standards. It kind of just went on its own after a while. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely not like a third line plug interview is what you're saying. It opened up pretty tight. Okay. But then it just kind of did a podcast game and then it just kind of loosened up after that. That's not too bad. Then that's not too bad. Mm-hmm. So given that this will be our final episode for 2021, Tim, I feel it's only appropriate to bring back one of our favorite segments we love doing here in the Third Line Plug Sensecast, a little segment called Discussion Point. Now, for those who don't know, Discussion Point is a segment Tim and I do where we see something we either see on social media or we see an analyst on TSN during the Sense game, or we just have a hot take or an idea that we want to talk about on the show. I feel this is a great one to close out 2021 with. Now, given that we really haven't done Discussion Point, I don't think we've done a discussion point yet for our fifth season. I feel I got one discussion point in mind. I want to do now. I apologize in advance. I can't recall the episode of Wally and the thought where they talked about this. So for discussion point, the topic will be is the B and B line, the best line the Ottawa centers have had since the cash line. And, you know, I got to go ahead and say this since the days of the cash line, the Senators have never really had a great line. With the Senators over the past 10 years or so, we've had a lot of really good duos. We had Spezza with McCulloch. We had Kyle Turris with McCulloch, you know, Duchesne Hoffman. But when you talk about a full line of three guys, I got to go ahead and say, I think the B&B line really has been the best line that we've had, given that right before the season stopped, we were, what, top three in points just for that one line? Something like that, yeah. And, like, I think part of it is they are shooting very well. And, like, some of that's going to regress. But at the same time, Batherson, Brady, and Josh Norris all have very good underlying. Like, they're very solid underlying, and they all elevate the game, their game when they play together. So there's definitely something really working well there. Uh, the other thing is, is, kind of that mushy middle of the last 10 years between now and the cash line, it's really hard to think of like a top Ottawa line that either didn't involve Alfredson Spezza or in, even during the tourist years, you had tourist Hoffman and stone and like stones an all-star. And I actually think part of the reason he's part of the reason why Kyle Turris looked as good as he did in Ottawa, like all cards on the table there. But Hoff, like Hoffman is a trigger man. He was good, but never great. Yeah, and we've talked about that a couple of times where he was a guy that left you wanting more. And then we saw a proto version of this line in 2000, in 2019 when he kind of had 
you had Brady playing with uh, Pajot and Anthony Duclair. So you started kind of seeing it start to form. Then in 2020, we got to see this line and it was pretty good once it finally got assembled. But this year, it's just been dominant. It has been. And I think the only thing that could have made that line even more dominant is if they had stuck with Stutzla on the left side with Norris and Bath. I think honestly, that could, that was a deadly line to start the year. And it took that line a little bit to get going at the beginning of the year once Brady came back. But honestly, post Lemieux bite, that line and that team's been on fire since then. Yeah. And here's the thing though. I think I would rather have the potential for two extremely strong lines here where you have uh, the BNB line and then you line up Stutz, you get Stutzla, another winger. Yeah. And see what happens with uh, either Stutzla, strong winger, Connor Brown, or Formanton, Stutzla, strong winger. Absolutely. And I mean, you you have to think like how different that line would be if we had kept Athlete Duclair. Can you imagine Formanton, Stutzla, Duclair on, on the second line? And it's a shame how that all went, but I'm not going to lie. I don't think Pierre Dorian played his cards incorrectly there. I think given the information he had, it was the right play. And it's a shame that Dadanov didn't work out. Yeah, it's true. But I still think we kind of gave up on him a little too early in my personal opinion. But you know what? Honestly, I don't, I haven't had a look at him in Vegas. I don't know how well he's doing there, but Honestly, I think it could have worked out if you put him on the second line, maybe even with Formatin and Tutsla, or Tutsla, Stutzla, that could have worked. But you know what? Yeah, you're right. We're going to need another winger, maybe Glacieru? Question mark? Yeah. Um, and we'll we'll see what we have it that comes up through the pipeline as well. Who knows? Maybe Crookshank or so- Sokolov surprise very much to their upsides. And Ridley Grigg looks like he's forming it to be a very nice bottom bottom six center as well. Uh, he's been playing very well for the Wheat Kings. And we're going to have to have a look here when he plays your Team Canada later today. Yeah, yeah. I'm not terribly worried. I wouldn't mind bringing Claude Giroux for a few seasons as a because he'd be a fantastic mentor type. Yeah. Like, that's the type of veteran you can, if you can bring him in. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually be opposed to spending some assets and signing and trading at the deadline to bring in a veteran that is actually worth the money. That's where I think my whole thing with that is, is that you've seen Ottawa make these deals and the signs in the past, you know, you look at MDZ, you look at whoever you want to throw your stone at really. I mean, who really has worked out in Ottawa's favor? I think Claude Giroux is the one that has the the potential to actually do that. You put him on the Stutzel line, so he's he's insul- You've got the veteran insulated, and Claude Giroux has had a hell of a career. Yes, and you know you got to think of Claude Giroux because he would be a perfect playmaker for those guys. I think that's the thing a lot about Kyle Claude Giroux is that you think of Giroux is that he's got a terrific shot. He's a great passer. It's going to be where is his role on that line? Because you've got Formatin, who's got speed to burn. Stutzla, who's got speed to burn, but can also finish. Well, the other thing is, like, Stutzla's also a playmaker. So I think with that, there would definitely be that nice, uh, that very nice uh, chemistry between Stutzla and Giroux because they they have complementary skill sets. 
apparently Chelsea was not very happy about our talk about Claude Giroux. She came in and shut the door. I'm just loud. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll give you that. I'll give you that, Tim. Honestly. Yeah. I think the B and B line really has been the best line the Sens have had. And those guys are signed long-term. This line's going to be around for a while. It's time to start paying Josh Norris that money too, man. Well, I still can't believe we've got what a steal on Bathurst's contract. Holy. Oh, I know. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. But you know what's also going to be good, Tim? Is this segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. Not bad. Not bad at nice, all. Nice, Not nice, bad nice. At all. So for Top of the Hour, Tim, even though like the Sens weren't playing games, the NHL really wasn't playing games this week, unfortunately we do got some COVID stuff to talk about i know i know we're always tired about talking about it but it is what it is but the big news story of the week came in the form of the 2022 olympics the nhl and nhlpa have formally announced the nhl will not allow their players to be attending the 2022 winter olympics said time frame set out for the olympic break will be used to make up games that were postponed in november and december the nhlpa expects the nhlers to return to the olympics in 2000 and 26 here's the thing and i was talking about this with my brother yesterday is honestly even if covid was not a thing i really question whether the nhl would have sent the players over to china for this olympics well the thing is is like there's there's a lot of moving pieces here because you have on one hand the potential to grow the market in china is it's a there's a lot of money there's a lot of money in there, even if the average person in China is not all that wealthy. However, there's a diplomatic boycott because that because the tennis star was basically shut up and disappeared. You have the forced labor and probably genocide going on in Zhangji against the Uyghur people. Sorry, the Uyghur people. And I'm glad that the NHL is not going. And this is going to be basically with the NHL not going to this Olympics either. And you have all of these diplomatic boycotts. So Canada, the United States, Japan. So three of the biggest countries in the world have just sent a diplomatic boycott in. The Chinese the Beijing Olympics stature have been severely reduced. Yeah. And honestly, I think of this could, this could have been a great opportunity, as you said, to grow the game of hockey in China. But also I think of what a shit storm it would have been if say the NHL allowed the players to go over as we remember a few years ago with the NBA, the NBA sent the players over and one of the owners was either again, I can't remember if he was against something. Hong Kong. Pro Hong Kong, thank you. And everybody freaked the hell out. And I think of the NHL, what if this happened to the NHL too, right? Because you have, it's not like, it's different with the NBA because the NHL is not an established market in China where the NBA really has been, especially when you saw with the Kobe Bryant's and Michael Jordan's and all stuff going over there. You're sitting now with the NHL, like they could have had a great opportunity here, but you know what? That's fine. It really, I think the NHL would have made a stand anyway and just be like, no, but you never know, right? Because there's a lot That's of, like you said, a lot of money the there. NBA, 
the NBA and even some of the biggest voices for social justice in the United States turn a blind eye to a literal genocide. Like LeBron will not talk about it. Yeah. Well, because it hurts. So that's the one thing where I don't. Yeah. So it's like, I don't, I don't think the NHL would make a stand until it like got to the point where it's like, okay, this is hurting ours and all this, this is hurting our own. Yeah, so we can't go. It's true, but in in a weird way, and you and you're absolutely right about LeBron not talking about it. It's kind of like for those who watched The Last Dance, where there was a senator in North Carolina, it was in North or South Carolina, where Michael Jordan's from, and somebody asked him to either pledge money or support him, and he openly said that Republicans buy shoes too, and that was just something he said off the cuff and. His reasoning in the last dance about it was more of, well, how can I support something that I don't know anything about it? Yeah. And people freaked the hell out because that was very much a thing of like, okay, Michael Jordan's a right wing. He doesn't support the left wing, blah, 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 whatever. So it's kind of similar to that, right? Because if he did, it would have hurt his brand. Yeah. yeah. No. And it also, it is a little unfortunate that, uh, well, everything has to be, everything's political nowadays, right? Yeah. Well, especially with social media being the way yeah. to do, right? So, excuse me. So we're going to move on to our next story, Tim. And this one kind of sucks, especially for fans of the Spangler Cup. The Spangler Cup has been canceled for the second straight year due to the COVID-19 pandemic situation in Davos. This is the sixth time since 1923 that the tournament has been canceled with the last prior to COVID-19 in 19. 19- 56. You know, and this is one of these tournaments, Tim, where I've been a hockey fan my entire life. I don't think I've watched one single game of the Spangler Cup, which kind of sucks because everybody who's ever watched it or attended those games said it's great hockey. Oh, it's fantastic. The problem with the Spangler Cup is that it's usually it's at such a terrible time because the NHL is still going. Yeah. Well, what's funny is that because it's being played in davos you can usually catch a spangler cup game at like 10 a.m pacific time mm-hmm. so you can start your day with a, a spangler cup game parlay into a world junior or an nhl game yeah because it doesn't happen during the world juniors does it it's usually in spangler is usually uh usually the christmas break so you'll get spangler yeah so it's usually it usually coincides with world juniors okay my my brain's completely mush right now man. that's fair that's fair no spangler cup is it's fun hockey because you just i I was talking with people on twitter about it and uh yeah you get like ea sports matchups like team canada but it's whoever they could round up to play in the spangler cup versus hc davos and an ahl team yep and it's, yeah, it's just like really chippy, really fun hockey where you get like ex-NHLers or guys playing in Europe. And it's always interesting to see, okay, the quality of lo- hockey in these pro leagues, at, like the German leagues and the Swiss leagues is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. And it's always like the arena in Davos is, it's a really nice looking arena, but it's also got ads of the yin yang. Yeah, but that's common for any European hockey league, right? You watched, like, if you go back and watch any of, like, Tim Stutzla's clips when he played for Adler Mannheim, 
Same. He's got ads all over the jerseys, all over the boards, everywhere. But that's very much a European thing. Because over yeah. here, it's not like that. We're kind of seeing that nowadays with the ads on the helmets. And that's something that I think, if I'm honest, I think Don Cherry called that like 20 years ago. He said, yeah, it's what's coming next. There's going to be ads on the helmet. Yeah. Well, what's funny is uh, it goes so much further at Davos to the point where, have you? I know you haven't watched the games, but uh, if you look up some old ones, look at the penalty box. It's modeled after, I want to say, a Lufthansa business class. Okay. So it looks like the interior of an airplane and they're sitting at like, you know, the airplane chairs that have, yeah, that's the penalty box. Nice. So it's like, there's like ads all the jerseys and then there's that. And I think even the refs have like cow patterned jerseys because they're selling milk. Yeah, it's crazy. Honestly, yeah. I think my big thing with these international tournaments is just that there's just so many of them nowadays where there'd be, you know, because you got the World Juniors, you got the Spangler, you got the World Championships, all these other tournaments. And it's like, okay, well, you're almost oversaturated with the amount of tournaments there are, right? Yeah. And it kind of takes away from the specialists. Like I said, with the Spangler Cup, like I haven't watched a single game of the Spangler Cup in my life. I've seen clips of it. Believe me, like I've seen clips on TSN, Sportsnet, whatever, but I haven't sat down to watch an entire game. And I think for me, because honestly, really the only tournaments that I followed was the Olympics when the NHLers were going. Yeah. The NHL and the World Juniors. The Spangler Cup is actually cool too because of the historical background. So the Spangler Cup was open to reintegrate Germany into the international community after World War One. Really? Yeah. So it's like, it's a really cool tournament that's just kind of kept going until this day. And the whole point was just like, yeah, to kind of reintegrate Germany after the Treaty of Versailles. That is kind of cool, actually. Honestly, and I was thinking about this, I don't know, a while ago, I was thinking about this. You know, you, you know, talk about the NHL, the like the All-Star game. I've always been a belief. What if we had, say, the NHL's best players and the KHL's best players? play in a neutral site, have one game. You get to show off both leagues' best players, grow the game. It'd be great, right? Yeah, I'd watch that. Same, because honestly, the, the KHL, like they're still looking to expand into countries they haven't gone. You know, China, they just expanded to China in the last couple of years. England, I think they're looking at, they looked at London and probably about five years ago, they are looking at the O2 Arena for a, a team. And honestly, I think that would be great if the KHL could expand because the NHL is not going to expand over there. It's no, just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's like to me, it's like having an NFL team in Hawaii. It makes no sense. The travel is so far away, especially if you say you're in like Detroit or you're in like the Northeast, like New England, stuff like this. It doesn't make any sense. The travel's way too far. Money would be too much. It makes no sense, right? So. Yeah. The IIHF has announced that all tournaments scheduled for January 2022 have been canceled due to COVID-19. This includes two under-20 men's and four under-18 women's championships. Now, just a minute ago, I was talking about like how there's just so many tournaments now. It's over almost oversaturated. There was a lot of backlash towards this because of the amount of women's tournaments that got canceled and everybody's calling sexism sexism, and everybody's doing this kind of stuff. But honestly, I get it. I get where you think because you have the best women 
in the world playing in these tournaments that got canceled. And the people's argument is, okay, well, what about the world juniors? You have the best under 18 or under 20 guys playing. Why is it? And it's, but it comes down to one thing. It comes down to money. I hate to say it. It's not being sexist. It's simple economics. When you really think about it, what tournament makes money out of this? Yeah. Well, the other thing that's a bit tough about this is, well, I remember uh, Gord Miller just kind of made the same point. It's these tournaments are getting canceled because the tournaments are mostly getting fronted by the local uh, affiliation, sorry, the local federations with the exception of the world juniors, which when they're hosted in North America will often have an NHL team also pitching in. So like the Edmonton Oilers, the Edmonton Oilers are helping front the cost here because they get something back for it. Uh, the hard well, thing well, with they're the, playing out of Rogers place. Right. So yeah. it makes a lot of sense. The other thing is, is uh, with a lot of these other tournaments uh, and people are saying, well, the IHF has like $34 million in total asset, sorry, in liquid assets, not total assets. But the problem is, is if you look at their income statement, they have about 30 to 40 million, like in an Olympic year, they have more expenses about $30 million of expenses. And we don't have a cash flow statement. They've only provided their income statement and their, and their balance sheet. So yeah, we don't know what, we don't know how the money flows mm. and the cash flow statement's important. And there's certain things to kind of figure. We don't know if the IHF actually has the extra key free cash flow to actually do it. I don't think I have enough information from what's been given in their financial statements to actually construct a free cash flow. Yeah. And a lot of that free cash was probably eaten up up until two days, a few days ago when the NHL said, no, our guys aren't coming because, well, all of a sudden you have all these insurance liabilities that you need to be able to shore up. So no, I don't think the IHF, even if they wanted to, could have thrown a a couple million bucks to say the Mexican Federation to get to save one of the women's tournaments. And at the same time, like out of six tournaments, four women's, two men's gone. So it's like, well, you know, I don't think it's sexism. I think it's just bad timing yeah. and economics. Yeah. And that's where I think, and that's where I've always stood on it. It's because when you think of these tournaments, it's money. That's what it comes down to. It's not about, okay, it's not because these guys are men. These guys are the pros. These guys are this, that, and the next thing. It's money. Why do you, like, the World Juniors are still going because it makes money. It's well, the other here in North America, and you're absolutely right. Because when you think of the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, you look at all the North American cities they've played in. Edmonton, Buffalo, They've played in teams where they have, or they played in cities where they have NHL teams. Yeah. So you've got money pumping into them. You're going into big markets where, you know, you had Winnipeg, you had Edmonton, Vancouver, you have all these tournaments. It makes money, right? And that's well, what it comes down to. There's also a logistical angle that a lot of these uh, smaller organizations, I don't think they would have the ability to set up a bubble in time either. So like there's a logistical issue. Well, Edmonton, how many bubble tournaments have you played? You've played the NH, you've had uh, the NHL bubble there twice. Yep. You've had Toronto, the, well, Toronto, but 
particularly Edmonton for this World Juniors. You had the NHL bubble twice. You had the World Juniors in in Edmonton Red Deer last year as well, right? Mm-hmm. And the players were already in Edmonton doing their quarantine. So once Omicron, and they were here before Omicron hit. So j- just looking at like throwing away the sunk costs, it didn't make sense to not continue the World Juniors because while the teams were already here, the games were being played, you could still have 50% capacity. So we're going to close out top of the hour. I'm going to be talking about the Czech Ice Hockey Association, who have formerly formally requested that the team be referred to as Ciesco or Cheska, rather than the Czech Republic, for all upcoming IIHF eventing, beginning with the 2022 World Juniors. Now, i got to ask him, and I'm sure you'll probably have a better idea than I do, is this because in the Czech Republic, that's more of their native... Yep referring to okay yeah that's what, that's what i've kind of thought of it's one of the things that i've always found a little surprising that germany doesn't do like they often just in official materials get referred to as germany i'm surprised they don't get us to be referred to as deutschland yep. that's just one thing that's always i found surprising uh, yeah no makes sense yeah it does but you know you look at other countries too you look at russia like slovakia sweden finland you can look at and they would probably say the same thing right so well we want to be referred to by what we're referred to as our native language. And there's nothing wrong with that because honestly, Canada and the United States, we do it. So it doesn't, it makes sense, right? It makes sense that they would want this too. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I was just saying, I was always surprised that Germany didn't. Yeah, because when you think <laughs> about it, well, even look at every other sport that they play, right? Soccer, I th- correct me wrong, right, I think soccer, they do that in, and other kind of sports. I might be wrong. I might be talking out of my ass when thinking about this, but I think if I'm not mistaken, I think that's where they refer They to. use Deutschland? I think so, yeah. yeah. Well, if you look at the German soccer jerseys, if you right. look at the brass on them, what does it say on it? Right, it says Deutschland. Deutschland. It doesn't say Germany. It says Deutschland because it's in their native language. Yeah. Makes sense. It does. Well, Tim, that wraps up top of the hour for 2021, which could usually mean one thing, that we would have to talk <laughs> about some games. Now, unfortunately... Games got postponed this week, but that doesn't mean we're going to have some stuff to talk about. So we're going to take a really quick break here in the Third Unplugged Sensecast, and we will come back to talk about our end-of-year review. Hey, this is Mike Oliver from Black and Gold Productions, and you're listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. All right, we are back. Now, Tim, just before the break, I said that this would be the time of the episode where we would talk about some Sens games and all that good stuff. However... Games got postponed this week. They will be returning next week, and we'll talk a little bit of that at the end of the episode. But instead, we're going to be doing our 2021 end-of-year review. And in 2021, we actually did quite a bit, and I don't think we really fully realized that until it came to this time of the year where we looked back and we're like, wow, like we really did that. It was kind of like last year, right, when we looked back and we like, look at the interviews, look at the episodes we did, all that cool stuff. 2021 was no different. Now, I had a chance to count them. In total, 41 episodes. That's including mainline episodes, interviews, the NHL playoffs, Seattle Crack and expansion episodes, stuff like that. When talking about the episodes we did in 2021, Tim, is there any episodes for you that stick out in your mind? I really like the episode we did for Pavel Dimitra. I think that's probably the first and foremost that stick out in my mind. And then after that, it's the Ron Tugnan interview. And it's funny you mentioned both those things, Tim, because kicking off 
our end of year review those two episodes in mind now of course we got to talk about our season four season opening episode pavel dimitra episode 78 was the cover athlete and we got a former teammate of his mr jamie mcclennan from tsn talking about it and really that was a thing when we came into our fourth season that was something you and i talked about was that god that would be so cool if we can get noodles on to talk about pavel because they were teammates in st louis they were good buddies and all that stuff and I just shot him a DM and I asked him, I said, look, is there any chance we can get you to do this? He DM'd me back. And he says, absolutely. How much time do you guys need? Yeah. And with given the tragic way that Pavel's life ended, I, of all the cover athletes that we've had, I think that was the most important one to do. Right. And I'm glad that, uh, I think we did right by just bringing in someone who knew him personally to talk about him and yeah that's really cool it was really cool and not only that but we got to talk about him as a person him as a player but we also we had to talk about the tragedy and i really didn't want to do that because again just again this is the way he went out him and carl rakunek i just didn't know if i really want to do that and we said that to jamie and then we just did it. And he's like, you know what? The fact that he omitted, I think, what do you say? Two or three chapters out of this book based on his time in the KHL, just because of what happened in the locomotive plane crash. Yeah. But honestly, that was such a cool, cool thing. We got Jamie McClendon to do. I think the thing that really sticks out for me, other than hearing some of the cool stories, Slyovica. You ended up finding some, right? I didn't end up finding it, but here's the funny thing. So one of our delivery drivers is from the Czech Republic. He came in one time and we were talking and I just, out of curiosity, I figured to ask. I'm like, I apologize. I can't remember the guy's name. I says, uh, hey, can I ask you a question? Have you ever heard of Slyovica? And he's bursted out laughing. He's just like, how do you know what Slyovica is? And I said about Pavel and noodles came on. And he was telling me that in the Czech Republic, that's what he used to drink because his dad and his grandpa actually made it oh wow it's like homemade moonshine over there <laughs> incredible it was incredible but was also incredible tim of course and you already mentioned it for the first time in our show's history we actually got to interview a former ottawa senator goaltender ron tugnut and that was one looking back on that i have no idea how we even got that because all I did was shot him a tweet and you and I were saying, he's like, yeah, he's never going to see this. A lot of the XNHLers are not active on Twitter. Find a DM in the inbox. And I'm like, what the hell? I click on it. Ron Tugnut. And I'm like, holy shit. Oh, fuck. Okay. Um, this is really happening. And I messaged you and I'm like, uh, yeah, so um, we're going to be interviewing Ron Tugnut in a couple of weeks. And you're like, no fucking way. Come on. No, I don't. Seriously, I sent you the I screenshot and everything. You're like, no, come on. I was like, this is amazing. Well, I think that was also the first episode we did on Zoom because no matter what we did, we couldn't get Skype to work. So it's just like, you know what? We got Zoom work. And then Zoom worked perfectly the first time. I was like, yeah, fuck Skype. No, you know what it was? It was the fact that we were using Skype for the longest time but Tugger requested we use Zoom. Oh, okay. 
that's where it came up. Now you recall when we were talking to him, if you go back and listen to the episode, his, the audio on his end sounded terrible. I think because of the audio, not because of the audio, but the internet connection wasn't great. And then he appears on the Wally of a thought show, probably a couple of months later. And it's perfect. And I message you like, ah, you son of a bitch. That was just so funny though. Well, it's, he probably just learned that after that. I was like, Oh, well, it's like, I don't think anybody realized that, Oh, this is, this might be a problem or that he might just do interviews. Yeah. I thought it was so cool. And he was so awesome with us. Right. Just because again, we're both fans of the team. I knew him growing up, like obviously as a player, but that was so cool. Just to interview an ex Ottawa center. And I shot my shot with a few X sends after that. Like I, I could talk about it now because they're probably not going to come on. Like Mark Mathot, I tried to get on for the show for 2021. Bobby Ryan, I tried to get on. Wade Redden, I tried for 2021. Nothing. Well, to be fair to Mark Mathot, it was just things got things got busy because he did reply. <laughs> he did reply. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm choking up here. I'm so upset. Yeah, no, you're right. Because honestly, 2021 was such a great year for him. And of course, Reds never got back to me. Bobby Ryan just got back on Twitter. Everybody was bombarding him. So I, I, I understand it, right? Yeah. So, but you never know. 2022, maybe we'll go after some ex-senators and maybe we'll get a couple. We don't know. Yeah. Now we're going to move our attention away from talking about an ex-Ottawa senator and talking about somebody who works for a senator's block. Now in 2020, one of the new Sens blocks that came out was new era Sens. Now, of course we talked with Joseph St. Amore on one of our form on one of our last episodes. And he talked about his role with new era Sens when that started up. So for our first half recap, season four, episode nine, I reached out to Jackson Schwann. Now Jackson Schwann, for those who don't know, he worked for new era Sens. He was doing a lot of like game recaps on YouTube for the, for the blog and one of the big reasons i wanted him on just because i really liked what he was doing for newer sense but he was also from victoria <laughs> a fellow vancouver island sense fan i said absolutely i will get him and he was great yeah no it was a really good episode uh and it's always good to talk with another uh uvic well i don't think he's a uvic grad just yet but not yet anyway yeah good to talk yeah, I guess it's funny that we've had guests from both of my alma maters. Right? Yeah, because <laughs> we had Jackson Schwant and Brandon Mackey. Yeah. No, that's really cool, though. That's so cool that we get to talk to these people and the fact that they're always willing and agreeing to come on. Now, another guy who kind of came out of nowhere, and this is one that I I will admit, we worked, we worked so hard to get this guy for about a year. We finally got him on. Former Ottawa Senator, social media director, slash producer for the Wally Mathot show, Craig Medaglia. We finally got him on for an interview. And again, like we talked for, to him for about a year or so. And it was either it didn't work on his end, didn't work on our end. And when it finally came up, because again, you got to keep in mind, Wally and Mathot had just started up like a couple of weeks prior to this. So we were... I would say we were the first podcast, blog, anything that did any interviews with these guys about it. Yeah. I mean, cool stuff. (laughs) But do you talk about the Craig Medaglia interview, Tim? Like, was there anything about that that specifically sticks out for you? Hard to say. Because it was just a lot of really, it was just a really fun interview, just kind of learning the arc of his career and kind of what it was like to be around the Senators. 
Yeah. And obviously off the record, we got a lot of great stories out of him about working oh, with the team. We can't tease that much. We yeah. can't tease it. We're not going to say anything about it. But the one thing that I really sticks out for me, Tim, and it's something that you brought up on last week's episode was what Dave Cameron told him after Dave Cameron got his contract extension, Craig went up to him, congratulated him. And Dave goes, you know what? I'm just one day away closer to getting fired. Actually, there was a really interesting piece in the athletic talking about uh, Dave Cameron, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of his arc through coaching the world juniors back in 2011, co- working with the Ottawa Senders, getting fired by the Senders, coaching in Europe, coming back to do the OHL and then making his way back to the world juniors again. Uh, it's a really good read. I think it, no, it wasn't Scott Wheeler. I forget who wrote it, but uh, yeah, if you get a chance, uh, give it a read. It's really good. Awesome. Now, this is a personal one for me. And the reason why I wanted to include it here is because I think nobody should be surprised that I personally do all the intro and stuff like that. I'll I'll come up with, like, I'll find a song, I'll think about it. I'm like, okay, if it works, it works. Now, of course, season four, episode 12, in the grand scheme of things, was just another episode. If you really think about it. But this was during the time where the Sen Sickos was a thing. (laughs) <laughs> and the first couple of episodes when the Sense Sickos became a thing was the song Sick, Sick, Sick by Queens of the Stone Age. Not a bad song by any means, but after a couple of episodes, that's kind of like, eh, you know, it doesn't really work. One song in particular really stuck out, and that's a song called Down by the Sickness by Disturbed. <sighs> and as soon as I heard the opening, the... The opening drum sound. I'm yeah, thinking, you're like, yeah, I've got an idea for this. And basically, I took that and the part where David Draymond does the oh wah sound, I cut that out and I included Craig Medaglia saying, yes, ha ha ha, yes. And I spliced <laughs> that in, I put it together, and that became our intro for the rest of season four. I mean, it's timely and funny. I'm, I'm actually surprised you didn't go with the DJ Smith version. I thought about it, but I thought the Craig Medaglia version was just that much better to me personally. Fair enough. But, you know, it was great. And the one nice thing, and shout out to Nick, at so-called Nick on Twitter, because he personally sent us a tweet that says, at Third Leg Vlog has the best intro for a Sense podcast. And I just went, oh. It's nice being recognized. I know. I love it. And that was our, that was our profile header for like the longest time was that tweet. (laughs) Fair enough. So good. So good. Now, another thing that was really good, Tim. Now, of course, the end of our fourth season was a really good episode, was a really good season. Now, of course, we only did 56 games that year, lost quite a bit, won a few of them right at the end of the season. And for our second half recap, we got to cross off another person off our quote unquote interview wish list canuck from the sense columns and i think because it had been a while since we had worked with one of the guys from the sense call-ups i thought this is going to be great because i got obviously i talked with canuck in the past on social media he seems like a great guy came on did what he did and then we just bullshitted for probably about half an hour after we finished up and just a great guy overall it's just fun times too right yeah i think the thing for me that really sticks out tim we won't reveal it here. We got to learn what Canuck's real name is. All right. If you're, it was completely by accident. 
no, no, it wasn't because we were off the record, right? Oh, right. He was talking because we referred to him as Canuck and he referred to him as his insert name here. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, oh, shit, we actually know what his name is. This is amazing. Well, you're. I remember you saying that the pseudonyms on uh, Sun, sorry, Sense call-ups were a big deal, right? Yeah, because like they don't refer to each other by first names; they refer to by the pseudonyms. The last time anybody referred to those guys by their name was when they had Bruce Garriock on, and he referred to Pan by his first name, and Pan goes, "Pan, Pan, it's Pan." <laughs> and I started laughing. I'm just like, it's so true. Well, I think it's like a. Uh... Pan and uh, Bruce know each other outside of the podcast. It is true. And of course, if you watch, you look at their interactions on Twitter, you can definitely tell. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're going to move along here, move out of our fourth season because the Ottawa Senators, of course, did make the playoffs last year, but the NHL playoffs on third line pluck. Once again, we did it again this past year. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to put into it, especially if you don't watch all the games, but it was so much fun. And I think for me, the one thing that came out of it, the final episode when I finally came out and announced I won a hockey pool because I picked Tampa Bay in five games, $420 and a Tim Stutzla jersey later. And it was amazing. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And you're doing pretty darn good. And the one we're going right now, well, Tim has I've just been getting drubbed by bad luck. Yep. It's true. But you know what? I really enjoy those NHL playoff episodes just because, again, you, you get to talk about a lot of the games that we don't usually watch. The playoffs come around. We start watching them. Like we said right off the top, that Tampa Bay-Florida first round, that had to be one of the best first-round playoff series that we have watched in a long time. Yeah. No kidding. Because it was just such high octane hockey i remember watching the first game and just watching the pace of that game was incredible Mm -hmm. and i'm a big believer if florida had goaltending florida could have upset tampa bay in that series probably yeah because you just had uh well spencer knight credit to him did play pretty well in that series he did uh games against ottawa notwithstanding oof i know we ruined him poor guy but yeah no that was a it was a very good series and uh, i think florida fans were rightly optimistic especially with the way things have been going this season now of course post nhl playoffs the big episode that came out of this was our seattle kraken expansion draft episode now this is only the second time in our history we've ever done an expansion draft episode i went back and listened to a little bit of that episode God, were we way off on a lot of those picks. Yeah. And unlike Vegas, where... Actually, we weren't too bad with Vegas, if I remember correctly. Uh, no, Vegas... Even though I was shit posting, You can see what Seattle was going for, but they just didn't... And here's the thing, though. The expansion draft didn't kill Seattle. No. Grubauer being the worst goalie in the NHL this year killed Seattle. Like the actual underlying numbers and are pretty good for Seattle and they're actually getting their goal support that they need. It's just anything that gets to Grubauer gets in at this point. Mm -hmm. And uh, Joey Decord hasn't looked great. Chris Dreiger hasn't looked 
Chris Dreger has been okay as a backup. It's just, they have not got the goaltending they need. No. And it's very unlike Vegas. Remember where they went through what five goalies in that expansion year and still made the finals. Well, it's like, but they had a, they had a starter on a mission in Mark Andre Fleury. Yep. That's the difference. That's true. Whereas Grubauer signed as a free agent. He wasn't even taken in the expansion draft. Yeah. And it's been not great for Grubauer. 100%. Now coming out of our off season, Tim, one of the big things you and I talked about this in 2021, we said, we're not going to do this again. <laughs> we were not going to do this again because it was so much work to put together so much work to get everything ready to go. But moods changed, thoughts changed. The 2021-22 NHL season preview show, parts one and two, both the United States and the Canadian teams. Let's talk a little bit about that because, honestly, that's a lot of work. you you got to realize, and I keep harping on this, but it's a lot of work to put that together, edit it, record, everything. But it's, it's always so much fun, fun to do. Yeah. It is so much fun to do, and I think that really almost outweighs it all because it's like, yeah, but it, when it's all said and done, you get to talk with people about their team, how they became fans, and it's good. It's good to have a different perspective, right, on other teams in the Atlantic Division. Yeah, and this time round, I was very – like, I was really happy with all the people that we had on. Like, uh, Cat's Litter Box was a great time. Yeah, uh, Todd Little. Todd Little was great. Uh, Wild – Wild Charge was fantastic. We got him just as he's come back from Bider Hockey. Yep. That was a really fun half hour. Yeah, Matthew Estevez. Matthew right. Estevez was a really fun time. Yep. Uh, we got the Detroit, our Detroit correspondent, as he was moving to Pittsburgh. Yeah, Jake Rivard. Jake Rivard. I, uh, I think I kind of offended him when he says that now you're living in Pittsburgh or you're a Pirates and the Steelers fan. He goes, Absolutely not. <laughs> That's not how that works, Tay. You, you know that. I know, I know. Wouldn't I be a Flames fan at this point if that were the case? True. I think for me, the one thing that came out of the Detroit one was the fact that you didn't even know there was a football player named Megatron. Why would I know that? I don't know. That just seems like <laughs> something that you would hear and you're like, That's kind of cool. <laughs> because I'm just like, Well, yeah, you know, when you waste the careers of Barry Sanders and Megatron, and you're just like, Wait, wait, wait. There's a guy in the NFL named Megatron? <laughs> yeah, then I think we just had a really nice conversation with uh, Die by the with uh, the Die by the Blade blogger. Yeah, Melissa uh, Burgess. Melissa Burgess, right. Not blogger, edit, uh, chief editor, Melissa Burgess. That was really good. Uh, and it was interesting to just see what things were like in Buffalo. Yeah. Other than bad. Right. And the fact that one of her first games was the Ron Tugnet night. I'm like, oh, oh, no. I think it was kind of cool because we talked with her about that right after. No, it wasn't right after. It was like a couple of months after we talked with Ron Tugnet. Yeah, no, that was cool. Uh, I think I ended up missing the Boston interview. You did. Mark Allred from Black and Gold Productions. He was great. Like he was so cool with us. And we talked off record. And you know what's funny? He didn't even realize neither one of us were from Ottawa. <laughs> like he knew we were Canadian, but it's like, but I said, oh yeah, well, me and my co-host were on on the west coast of Canada. And he's like, Where whereabouts? I said, Well, Tim's out of Calgary, I'm out of Vancouver Island, British Columbia. He goes, I think his exact words were, 
man, wait a minute, that's Canada's fans on the West Coast? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. There's like 12 of us. But uh, no, no. It, it's a shame because like he, he seems like a good guy and uh, good banter back and forth during Boston games on Twitter. Absolutely. I'm there for that. But also, we can talk a little bit because I think one of the Bruins blogs or podcasts, I think they reached out to us. So, you never know, maybe we got a chance to work with one of them someday. Yeah, no, that'd be cool. Uh, and then the Canadian the Canadian groups, we we always get a good good time out of them. Ian Mendes swore. Yes. This is the only thing I have in my notes. Would you like to know what it says here? 2021-22 NHL season preview, part one and two. Ian Mendes said fuck. <laughs> I love how we're all just like, he did it. We got it. We were just like, this is amazing. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> we got him to say fuck. It's like all victories in life. Yeah. Dad swore. That's it. Yeah, pretty much. But even talking about, like, even Montreal Toronto, like Chris Katugas great guy we're glad he came back but the one thing for me that really stuck out was sans mundine from the buds all all day and he was great he was so cool to talk about and i think that's the one comment you made about the leaf whether it be left coast leaves or buds all day is that you i end up finding these leaf guys who are so great to deal with because it could have gone so where where the leaf guys are like yeah, we're so unbelievably biased towards our team, and your team sucks. And these guys are like, "Yeah, it's gonna happen again." <laughs> I know, I know. But you well, know I think what? part of it's it so is good, is I think the types of Leafs podcasters that are going on other teams' podcasts to discuss the Leafs are probably more moderated than ones that are just like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, this is the best," because like. With that, someone like that, just be like, yeah, I've, I've been intentionally going on this guy's show to wreck his show. I don't think so. I think most people have a modicum of self. Self-control? self con- Well, self-control and a bit of uh, self-awareness. Yeah. Because honestly, if they were coming on our podcast and be like, yeah, the Leafs suck and set, or yeah, Leafs go and send suck, I'd just be like, well, those are some big words for a team that hasn't made it out of the first round in the last almost 20 years. And the last time that, it, you know, last time you guys played Boston, you lost. But when we played Boston, we beat them. So, eh. Well, that or just Fuck. be like, uh, that was a misfired interview. Uh, thanks for your time. Yeah, click. Yeah, well, it's it like that sort of like that sort of confrontational. Area. It really doesn't do anything for anyone, right? No, it doesn't. I mean, if you want that kind of confrontation, go listen to Rogan. Well, I was gonna say either that or uh, man, I'm forgetting everyone's name today. Fuck. Shock Jock. What's his name? Howard Stern. Howard Stern. Yeah, go Howard Stern. Yeah, that's true. So given that we are currently in our fifth season, Tim, let's talk about our season five preview show. And I think for me, the big thing that came out of this was Sens founder Bruce Firestone coming through in a big, bad way for us because I reached out to him and I would l- wanted him to record an opening for our quote unquote 30th season of Senator Talking. Yeah. And that was fantastic. The fact that Bruce came on and he didn't even hesitate. He says, absolutely, I'll do it. What do you guys want me to say? Yeah, no, that was cool. And no, like, go back and listen to that opening. It's awesome. I know. 
and it's so cool because I always kind of like to think of different ways how I can use the new theme song for the season. And that was a way I got to do it. And it was awesome. Yeah. So now that we're in our fifth season, Tim, let's talk about some of our episodes that we got a chance to do. Now, of course, season five, episode two, the Matt Gilroy edition. It was a good episode. We got some good talking points. But the big thing that came out of this, Tim, we finally got Trevor Shackles to become a co-host on the Third Line Plug Sunscast after how many years of us working with him. And it was great. We didn't even weird him out. This time. Although, I think off the record, I told him about the Lay's Barbecue Chip comment. Yeah. yeah. It was great. It was good. I think it was really cool because, again, Trevor has always been such a great guy to deal with on either social media or when we have him on the podcast. But I think it's really cool because the day that we recorded this episode was October 25th, 2021. Five years to the day. I met him in Vancouver. Nice. After the Connects game. And I actually didn't realize that until like a day or two after the episode came out. And I DM'd him. I was like, is it, hey man, thanks for coming on. It was great. Hey, do you did you realize like when you came on that day, it was exactly five years of the you and I met the first time? And he just started laughing. He's like, That's pretty awesome. Nice. Didn't even didn't even set that up to be that way either. It just happened organically. Yeah. yeah. Now a couple of episodes after that. We had Joseph St. Amour, who returned as a co-host for his third appearance on the show. Let's talk about him a little bit, because honestly, he was great to have back as a co-host. We got a, really got a lot of great info out of him. Was there anything out of that episode that stuck up for you, Tim? No, not really. It was just a solid, well-done episode. It was. It was kind of like our last episode of the season. Our 2021 Christmas episode entitled A Very Third Line Pun Christmas. And of course, with a name like a third line pun Christmas, we had to go to the only person that we could think of who would agree to do the show, sends Twitter's James Wood. Oh, that was fun. I love the fact James was recording out of a closet. Oh, come on. He's between places. I know. We've, it's... Got, we've caught a lot of people between places, haven't we? Two. We got two, but that, that's a lot. But I... I like the fact that even with the show, we get to make those kind of comments because it's just, it's kind of funny when you really think about it. Just get a closet. Well, it's funny. Keep in mind, listeners, when, when we called James to do the episode, he clicks on, I see this whole roll of sweaters and jerseys (laughs) on both sides of him. I'm looking at it like, like, what's going on here? Is he in an office? Is he out of a closet? What's going on here? And I made a comment to him off air, and he's just like, oh, yeah, like we're in a transition home right now. So, yeah, I'm actually doing this out of a closet. No, that was funny. Oh, it was so good. So good. And he was great. He was great to deal with. Really, really, really happy with how that episode turned out. Now, after all of this, Tim, let's talk about 2022. We've got a whole year ahead of us podcasting. When it comes to certain goals or certain stuff you would like to see for the show to do in 2022, what comes to mind when you think about it? I wouldn't mind getting another Ottawa sender on the podcast. That would be cool. That definitely was on my list too. I think for me, a big goal I would like to do for our second half recap to finish our fifth season. I'm thinking we should get a co-host, but not just any co-host, three co-hosts. 
three co-hosts. Pan, Cardinal, and Canuck. The three guys from the Sense Call-Ups. The we're, show, we're just going to have the Sense Call-Ups episode? Yes. The show that without them, there would be no third-line blood. Because they're in their 10th season. We're in our fifth season. I think it would be such a cool way to end off our fifth season by finally getting to work with all three of the guys who directly inspired this very podcast. That'd be cool. Yeah. I think so. And I think for me, honestly, I'm really happy how we're doing it with the one guest a month sort of deal. And for January, we're going to have to look at it. We're going to have, cause I think we're doing our first half recap in January. So we're going to have to look at a guest host for that. February. We do have somebody currently scheduled. So you have to wait until then. But it's going to be good. I'm really looking forward to 2022. I really hope that we're going to have a great season of podcasting. Great year. Because the NHL playoffs are going to be coming back. We're doing a free agency episode. Everything in 2022. So you just got to be on the wait for those episodes to come. Yeah, it's going to be good stuff. So, Tim, I guess that wraps up this episode. And wraps up 2021. If you have anything you want to bring up before we head off to the close for another episode. Probably nothing uh, hockey-related. Uh, hopefully, by the end of the year, I'll get my uh, Wild Wild playset episode edited up, and then I'll be trying to do new stuff for that in 2022 as well. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it, because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You find our page on nationalpodcast.network. You find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter at Third Link Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901 Honey Badger. I'm at Great White Gipster, GR8, W Y T E Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about our 2021 episode, the end of year, choose an email. Third Link Plug at gmail.com. So, Tim, even though we didn't have any games to talk about this week, next week's episode, though. We've got some games to talk about. Now, we've got three games on the schedule currently. Wednesday, we will be at home to play the Boston Bruins. Friday, we will be playing the Pittsburgh Penguins at home. And Saturday, New Year's Day, 2022, in Toronto to play the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's so weird that this is only our third game against the Leafs this season. Let's hope there's no more postponements because, yeah, I want to see my boys. Absolutely. Until next year, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go Sens, guys. Woo!